0: Today we have our special guest Grady Hendrix, and we're going to be talking about uh, the never made Kevin Williamson script Halloween Seven: The Revenge of Laurie Strode. So, yeah, Grady, how would you introduce yourself?
1: I am a guy who writes books and nice. movies, sometimes, but mostly books. Um, I wrote um, a horror story about a haunted IKEA. My Best Friend's Exorcism, which is sort of Beaches Meets the Exorcist, <laughs> uh, a book called Paperbacks from Hell, which is a history, a nonfiction history of the horror paperback boom in the 70s and 80s. And my last book was uh, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. And my new book that's coming out this summer is called The Final Girl Support Group, which is why we're talking about Halloween,
0: H2O. Wow. Actually, we're talking about Halloween, The Revenge of Lori Strode. How dare you?
1: But well, yes, I basically know, but- the same thing. <clears throat> <laughs> well, I so, you know it's funny though. There's stuff in the Revenge of Laurie Strode that they put into H2O and they do it terribly, which is really Very bad. interesting.
0: Very. But bad. we'll get to that. Have you ha, so how familiar are you with Halloween the Revenge of Laurie Strode outside of Not, the outline I sent you?
1: Yeah, the outline you sent I me and I've read a synopsis of it before oh. like one or two online, but cool. I've never read the screenplay. The only unproduced Halloween screenplay I've ever read is Dennis Etchison's Halloween uh, from 1987, you know, before they did four, when they were going to reboot the franchise. Mm -hmm. And they had Etchison, who was a really well-known horror short story writer, mostly, and an editor, write a version. And it's, well, my mom said, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. But that's never stopped me before. It's hot garbage. It is.
0: it? But it's the fir- is this the one with the giant Michael Myers at the end? Yes, I didn't <laughs> hate it, but
1: it's the first time I think Thorn gets mentioned uh, in the franchise. I think it's where they started getting because it's like eighty seven. So mm-hmm. I imagine they either told him we want druids, or he gave them druids and they they ran with them.
0: Oh, are you is it cuz like satanic panic of the time? Is that what we're I don't
1: know. Getting at? You know, I mean, who knows what goes on in Mustafa Akkad's mind, right? I wish like I knew. did he just read an article about druids and was like we should have some of these? Maybe he comes
0: from the druids.
1: You never know. Well, ex- he could be a druid. This druid. could be the QAnon of druid conspiracy theories that the Halloween franchise is just an attempt to normalize druids. Haha, ha, they failed. Everyone mm-hmm. hates druids now because mm-hmm. of Halloween.
0: Yeah, they're very embarrassing now because of Halloween. But yeah, that script is very wacky. There are so many unproduced Halloween scripts out there. Thank you, Reddit, for all of them because there's just a shocking amount online. There's one called Halloween 3000, which I'm obsessed with. Oh, wait, which one's that? Um, uh, So we're going to get to it a little later, but just for now, it follows a little boy named Jimmy Moyer who murders two of his classmates and his mom and an intern at Smith's Grove. And so basically this little Jimmy becomes the next Michael Myers. Then he breaks out of the asylum years later and kills a bunch of people. Very Friday the 13th Part 5 vibes.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's, It's funny though, Like whenever these franchises try to give the dude a break right like they Mm -hmm. want to give jason a break or they want to Mm -hmm. give michael myers a break and they have someone else pick up the mask Mm -hmm. never works no and i'm not sure has that ever happened with the halloween franchise or it's just been almost about to happen like danielle harris was going to
0: be michael at one
1: point
0: it's it's almost happened a couple of times in halloween apparently they were going to try to do it at a halloween resurrection sequel where they were going to try to give it to the josh hartnett character but no i don't think it's ever happened
1: Mm. Yeah, because Friday it happened once or twice, and then they gave up on it pretty fast. Fans get pissed. Which is weird, because what do we care who's behind the
0: mask? I don't care, but people, they care. And listen, Friday 5, it wasn't good, but it wasn't good because of the twist. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But maybe people get those two things confused. Yeah, listen, we we are precious with our horror icons and I can respect that because we don't have that much in this world and, and the horror icons, you know, we need to hold them dear.
1: I also like. think when you get, you know, we have so few places to exercise choice and discernment in our lives. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I want Jason Voorhees, whose mother was, you know, Mrs. Voorhees, who mm-hmm. lives at the bottom of Camp Crystal Lake, you know, at the lake. <laughs> like, you know, I don't want some image i don't want tommy jarvis i don't want someone else you know
0: Mm, yes and and horror fans we're so uh we're 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 prickly we will give you all of our money but at the same time like you don't want to mess with us too hard what's your personal relationship with the halloween series for you poor poor (gasps) my personal relationship with halloween is poor wow
1: i'm surprised yeah, well, you know, it's funny. So I wasn't allowed to see R-rated movies as a kid. Mm. And so what I would do is after um, Cub Scout meetings, we would go over across the street from the church to this uh, gas station where we would buy snacks. Oh, my God. And um, I convinced the Scoutmaster that uh, my parents let me buy magazines with my snack money, and I would buy Fangoria and um, would would then read the movies about the movies and pretend I'd seen them. And actually... For years, I thought I had seen Friday the 13th Part 2. And like three years ago, I was like, oh, I will rewatch this. And I was like, oh, I've seen this for the first time. I had (laughs) lied for so long, I believed my lie. Um, I've always, I've never been a huge, huge slasher fan. I like them. I appreciate them. But it's not my first go-to, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And when I went to, it was usually Nightmare or Friday the 13th. I had a lot of respect for the original Halloween. I think it's a really, really classic movie. It's not a movie I love. Mm -hmm. I saw Halloween 2 on TV a few times as a kid. And that movie I have a lot of affection for, but in all the wrong ways. Halloween 3 is the same way. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, there's so many good things about it in theory. The John Carpenter music, although by the time you get to part 4, 5, 6, 7, you're like, I'm really sick of this theme. Yeah. Um, And they rely on it like a crutch in a I lot know. of these movies.
0: And it's like three notes for 10
1: movies. Exactly. Um, but like, you know, I appreciate the cinema talk about it. There's so many things I appreciate about it, but I've never really loved it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, which is weird because it's also like the super serious franchise, like, Jason seems to have some self-awareness. He likes to, you know, he likes to make his kills a little like fancy sometimes, maybe ironic. Mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street like Freddy's like a showman. It gets very campy, like dour and humorless, I think are like the operative yes. words for Halloween. Yes. Like, and that can make them boring. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate that they're super fast, they're super to the point usually. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting about them is they are the family trauma ones, right? Like, mm-hmm. like no one knows why they're getting killed in Friday the 13th. No one's sure exactly after the first movie or two why Freddy's coming after them. But like in Halloween, <laughs> you either are Laurie Strode, you are related to Laurie Strode, or you're Laurie Strode adjacent.
0: Yeah, they really commit to it, too, in a way that we just don't see anymore with our franchises, like a commitment to the canon, to the point where like it, it made everything confusing. But I respect it now. I kind of wish that we would have a little bit more respect these days for, you know, the older installments of these franchises.
1: Well, it's funny, you know, I saw a screening about five years ago um, in 35 of the original Halloween. And, you know... It is amazing how bloodless that movie is yeah. when you watch it again. Like there's mm-hmm. like four kills in the whole thing, and they're in shadow. Like they're not super graphic. It's really interesting to compare that to something like you know Nightmare on Elm Street four or something that's just so oh, that's over disgusting. the top. And really so yeah. I
0: just rewatched that recently, and that cockroach death is just gross. I love it. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I guess you know,
1: I guess with the first Halloween the kills weren't set pieces. You know, the way they get later. I mean, they are set pieces, Mm -hmm. but the kill itself, the gore, the deployment of it. I mean, I feel like that's something that the Friday, the 13th franchise with Tom Savini really
0: pioneered. Absolutely. Um, People relate them to porn a lot, where like you have these, yeah, you have like the money shots and then everything else is sort of just to get there in between.
1: Yeah, but I also feel like, you know, it's funny, I've seen that porn comparison, but Mm -hmm. I feel like with these movies... The story is so important. Even when the story gets ridiculous and stupid, I mean, Halloween 6, like, (laughs) it's still really important. In a way, it's not important in porn. Like, you don't have the story and you've just got faces of death. And, like, let's face it, like, faces of death is not that interesting.
0: Yeah, I I am only aware of the cover and um, I'll have to watch it one day. I was just doing an episode on the Hellraiser reboot that never happened. And uh, there was talk about pitting Michael Myers against pinhead at one point and clive barker is the one on record saying that it didn't happen because the accords treat michael myers as though he's hamlet and i love that i also love how shady clive barker is
1: yeah well also i i like the idea of, of michael myers as hamlet you know it's so <laughs> great do. it, it kind of makes sense like you watch the different incarnations of Michael Myers, and it's like you watch Halloween Four, where like the dude is almost indestructible, and then you watch H two O, and like it, you know, just a jock with a rock can really take him out. Like yeah. he just gets nerfed and more powerful. And Dennis Etchison's writing the script,
0: he can grow to twelve feet tall. Like he mm-hmm. d- he, he's very um um uh, fluid, mm-hmm. malleable. It's not my favorite of the franchises either. And I think yes, I think when you said yeah, the sense of humor isn't really there. And I think for some people, that's why it's the go-to franchise. But yeah, for me, it's the reason why it it can get a little boring sometimes.
1: There's something a little, even when the movies are goofy, there's something a little intense about Halloween, because it is literally a dude relentlessly stalking a woman and trying to murder her. The same woman over and over again. And there's something very like gross about that. Like there's something mm-hmm. a little too intense about it. Um mm-hmm. that I feel like, you know. In Friday the Thirteenth, like you're like, oh, that person, that's sad. Oh, that's funny. That's and this, it's always like this woman is living out a nightmare that is very common in real life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like summer camp being murdered was not a realistic concern. Having a leech go up my nose and eat my brain over the course of the next three weeks was a realistic concern, but being stalked and murdered was not. But for like women, having a dude who wants to co- who comes after you again and again, trying to kill you or or hurt you. Mm -hmm. is real and so there's a personal emotionally traumatic squeaky element to halloween that i think makes it hard to take in big doses which is why
0: i appreciate the thorn trilogy a little more because it gets away from that some so you do appreciate the thorn trilogy i have a hard time with it personally it just well i like four four is a lot of fun four is fun for sure Five is just a
1: slasher. It's just generic. You know what I mean? Just add water, government issue, white label, black Mm -hmm. writing, Mm
0: -hmm. slasher. Except for the element of the man in black, which is not good, but really out out of the box. Yeah. Bizarre. And they try to solve it in a couple of these unmade scripts. Like, there was a seventh direct-to-video um, iteration of this movie that didn't happen where they really try to tackle the man in black.
1: Well, yeah, and then Six is just an ungodly mess, but it's always kind of fun to like, squint it. at and be like, what were they doing here? What version of the movie was this? Like, where did this piece come from? It's wild. Also, young Paul Rudd, that's yes that's i know the there's song. a lot to be said for young paul rudd oh yeah i mean he's still with
0: us today young paul rudd
1: i feel oh. like he'll be with us forever as long yes. as long as there's baby's blood to be
0: sucked Paul that's Rudd gotta to be, be young. it right it's um yeah it's Q- 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 QAnon was right paul rudd is killing babies i'm, I'm gonna cut that out you know it's so charming <laughs> i'm okay with that do you have any like underrated final girls that you want to campaign for like are there any final girls that don't get talked about enough I got to say,
1: there's, there's, there's two that come to mind right away. And one I don't think is underrated, but I feel like she should get more gold stars on the calendar. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, Alice Hardy, because, you know, I saw the beginning of Friday 2 was the one I read about in Fangoria and like described to people. And then I think I saw it, they're just the opening of it years later on cable. And that's always struck me as this really traumatic thing that here's this woman who survives all this hideous stuff, has to decapitate someone. I mean, that can't feel good. What? And then, like, she's just like, okay, well, I'll I'll eventually get over it. I'm going to live in this sad house and, you know, eventually just feel better. And like gets murdered like straight up cold-blooded murdered right at the beginning and i'm always like that is so mean it's like you know it's it's a little bit like the thing at the end of h20 which i'm sure we'll talk about later which i also think is a tremendously mean-spirited thing to do to a a character or an actor so i really wish alice hardy a little more little more props for her Mm -hmm. i mean i don't know do you have one uh you finish up and then we'll go back okay The other one I was going to say is, and this is a bit of a stretch, but I've always thought that, you know, Dracula is the book, the Bram Stoker book is sort of the first time we get that kind of predatory dude, monster, stalker figure that will become so huge later in 20th century literature. And that would make Mina Harker kind of the first final girl. Like, and what's interesting in that book is that, Mina Harker, you know, sees all this hideous stuff like happen and, everything that's supposed to make her weaker or destroy her just makes her pissed off and stronger. Like Dracula Mm. kills her best friend. That just makes her angry. Dracula bites her. Then she just like boomerangs out on him and uses like her connection with Dracula to like track him down to kill him. Like Mm. everything he does to fuck her up, she uses like turns right turns into a weapon. And I've always thought that that was kind of like, A really proto final girl is Mina Harker.
0: Okay, so obviously my turn. Hello, Um, my final girls. Okay, um, I thought you were going to say Alice from Nightmare, and I was really excited. Mm. And then you didn't. So I love Alice from. You know these these series sometimes have like a trilogy in the center, as we were talking about with Thorn. Yeah, like the trilogy in the center of Nightmare, I love, and the Alice that comes in in part four, I just like. I have a really soft spot for her she's so mousy but i don't know i like her i can see that and also
1: four five six are really the forgotten nightmare movies like one two three everyone
0: remembers three seven Mm -hmm. it gets all meta
1: but those middle that middle trilogy just you know
0: yeah it's not respected as much as it should be five needs more love because it's very watchable it's very entertaining yeah um, and disgusting. I haven't seen six in so long. I mean, oh, I don't remember. don't. It's truly not. Like, I will I will take a long journey to make myself like these movies. And that one, it's hard. <laughs> like, I I enjoy the remake. I'll be like, okay, I'll watch the... I'm not bored watching the remake. Right. But five, but six, yeah. Although, Roseanne, interesting cameo. Um
1: oh my god, I forgot. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Roseanne,
0: Tom Arnold, Alice Cooper. Yeah, yeah, maybe you should watch <laughs> it. What am I saying? They like they they name drop Twin Peaks a number of times. It's very strange. Really? God, oh, i have to yeah. watch it. I reached out to the to Rachel Taylor, and obviously she doesn't know who I am, so she did not get back to me. But I'd love to talk to her at some point. Um the director of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my last one is did you, okay, did you watch? Please God, you're the only person that maybe would have watched this. The early 90s reboot of Dark Shadows.
1: No. Oh,
0: it's literally. Well, how do you have a relationship with Dark Shadows?
1: I don't really. You know, like my grandmother, who was big on soaps around little dark shadowsy times, she just wouldn't watch it. It was too creepy for her. So no, okay. I never
0: like absorbed it at the right age. Okay, well. If you ever get around to it, they made a bizarre reboot in the early 90s that only lasted a season, and I am extremely obsessed with it, and I really recommend it, and there's a very interesting um, female lead in that. So I think we're going to move on towards maybe talking a little bit about Final Girl Support Group, if you're okay with that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so can <clears throat> you what, what can you tell us about Final Girl Support Group at this moment in time? I could tell you everything I could read it to you if I wanted to. No want way. Um, yeah. Happen. Um but
1: basically um essentially the the conceit of the book is that uh that these franchises are based on real crimes and then they go on to do their own thing but these final girls from these original incidents they're still alive and it's 20 years later because the book takes place in 2010. I had to it was originally a book that took place in contemporary But then COVID happened and I was like, I just got to bump this back, you know, just Mm just take it back before this. So I put it in 2010. And so these women are all sort of, you know, they're middle aged and they've all sort of like, you know, dealt with what happened to them in different ways. Some are substance abusers, some are in denial about it. Some have gone full survivalist. But the one constant in their life is that for 16 years, they've been going to the same support group. And then someone starts to kill them one by one. And the most paranoid member of the support group tries to like set out to prove that this is, you know, that they're all in danger and no one believes her. And so that's the basic concept of the book. And the book really, there's sort of two places it came from. And one is that scene with, with Alice Hardy at the beginning of Friday too, where I'm like, this isn't good. Like you should be nicer to this lady. Um, (laughs) And the other is when I was a kid and I saw I was at a friend's house spending the night and his mom took us to see uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors and Heather Langenkamp appears as the final girl from Nightmare 1 as a therapist for the kids in 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 Nightmare 3. And I'm like, holy cow. I'm like, that is such a great idea. Like characters from one horror movie, help, you know, helping out characters from another horror movie like, hey, I've got a little experience with this. And those just sort of germinated in my head. And I wrote a first draft of this book in 2014. Mm-hmm. And I tried to sell it to my publisher, I think in 2016. And literally, they sent me back the publisher's weekly announcement for Riley Sager's final girl book. And they're like, fuck off. We're not interested in your book. And I'm like, God yeah. damn it. So, so this book just sat there. And, I, and I, tried, I rewrote it a few times over the years. But I was like, yeah, no one's going to care. And then my manager, who does all my movie stuff, was like do you have anything sitting in the drawer and i gave him this and he's like dude you've got to work on this there's there's something here and so i rewrote it a bunch more and then sold it um but uh so (laughs) this is a book that i've sort of lived with for a really long time more longer than i've ever lived with another book like seven years it winds up being a lot about sort of like how you know there comes that moment if you're a big fan of horror you ask yourself that question like I've spent a lot of my life watching people get murdered for like fun. Like, what does that mean? Like, what does mm-hmm. that say? Um, not in a boring way, but just sort of like, what am I? You are what you eat. So what am I eating? <laughs> yeah. Just sort of like figure out all that stuff for myself, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, well, you know, it's, it's arguable it's that
0: it's healthy, you know, would, would you think at the end of the day, there, it, w- it would be healthy over it being maybe not so good for you, ingesting all of this carnage?
1: Well, I mean, at the end of the day, for me, what I realized and like it's different for everyone, right? Like some people are in it for the special effects. Some people like they're really into it because they love makeup and they love monsters and all that. And they're all legit reasons. But I realized that for me, just because the way I came to movie horror movies was so weird because I couldn't see them. I could mostly just read about them. So I had a very different image in my head of what they were than what they were before I saw them. Mm -hmm. For me, I realized that like, oh. What's always been important to me in these movies is that they're about people who get the worst thing that can possibly happen to them, happens to them. And then it happens to them often again and again and again. And they keep on trucking. And it's one of the reasons I'm always surprised they don't resonate, the, the Halloween franchise doesn't resonate more with me because that's really what that franchise is about is that Laurie Strode takes a beating and keeps on going. Um, mm-hmm. And so I realize that for me, these movies are really about, you know, people surviving the worst possible shit and that i really am not a huge fan of bleak dark endings you know like i really like to see people survive and kind I've of noticed. you know, yeah have a have a have a chance at happiness like yeah. I don't know, and that's nice.
0: that's only fair after what you do to them for all those pages
1: yeah exactly like you know like i feel like if i've hit an unhappy ending it's like i just haven't written for long enough like i'm not there yet i gotta keep going
0: i love that I love something scary with an okay ending because I don't want to feel like crap. Um, So I've noticed that your work, from what I've read, ranges from very fun and nostalgic to very serious and very scary. And I'm wondering where the tone is going to land with this new book.
1: Yeah, well, I I was actually really worried about this book because... um it's it's a darker kind of angrier book like i Mm -hmm. i did a book called we sold our souls Mm -hmm. that's very in this tone um sort of a darker angrier more a little bit bleaker but um i gave it to some friends to read sort of like people who won't lie to me like other writers and stuff and they all really liked it and i was like okay thank god like good sign so i think i think it winds up in an okay place but like you know it is about monstrous people killing women if that's a you know if that's traumatic for you or or triggers something for you don't read it like Mm -hmm. it's but it's also like um i I don't know i one of the things i've always been a little bummed about is that so many final girl projects like scream queens and the final girls movie and stuff like that they're fun like I, i had a good time with them but they treat final girls a little campy and they do this kind of mean girls thing, which I feel like is a tone a lot for female characters of like, everyone's just sort of bitchy and tearing each other down. And, um, And I was like, well, what happens if we take these women seriously? Like, what happens if you actually, like, really get rid of sort of the ironic, we know the genre kind of thing, and are like, this happened. That's horrible. Someone dressed as Santa Claus tried to kill you. That is really upsetting in a lot of ways. Christmas is ruined.
0: Yeah, forever. Yeah. Um, Well, that gets me to wondering. I believe that you write women quite well. And that doesn't mean you do. It's just how I think. Why do you think that could be? Like, why do you think have the ability to write women as real people or with a little bit of empathy maybe better than other male authors and what can other male authors maybe do to sort of tighten the, the way they write women characters i don't
1: know like i'm really bad at giving advice but i you know people have said this before and i feel like i just treat them like people you know like it's just they're just people um i mean and one of the things that really helps me and one of the reasons I think I write about women so often, and it's not like a conscious choice, it's just sort of like a lot of times when you're like writing a book or coming up with an idea for a book, at least for me, it's like a... um it's like one of those stupid puzzle keys you get in something like National Treasure, where you mm-hmm. have to like turn this ring of this cylinder to this like symbol and this one and that symbol, and eventually it like clicks and then it unfolds. It's like the um, oh god, now I'm going to be such a the box and Hellraiser. Oh my god, I forgot. Uh, uh, I are it. the layman configuration the layman configuration exactly? You can't get all the pieces, and then it clicks, and then it opens, and you know chains with hooks on them shoot out and embed themselves in your face. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I just sort of cycle through junk. What if the character characters this characters that the characters that that. ah got it okay this you know and it's like what if it's winter what if it's summer what if it's fall okay fall and so it often winds up being women because i don't write dudes well because they're too close to me i like to have a distance between myself and the characters like because otherwise i just feel like i'm writing about myself and whatever i put down there reflects me so they have to be like really handsome and charming and capable (laughs) Um, but if I have a distance on them, I can kind of look at them a little more objectively and see them as a person and not just some reflection of my personality. And so making them a different gender than me helps with that a lot. I
0: feel like that's literally the opposite of how a lot of writers work. I feel like a lot of people can't write the, the opposite gender because they can't relate to it.
1: So I, I read, I really like the Jack Reacher books. Like they're like my yeah. comfort popcorn thing. Yeah. And you read early interviews with lee child and he's like oh jack reacher he's this guy you know god he sells everything with violence and, and he really talks about him like a separate person and then later in his career like 30 books later lee child's like yeah i got in a fist fight with the dude on the street and i headbutted him and then and he he almost is like wearing the jack reacher persona and mm-hmm. you're like oh i get it you've done so many you're such a showman
0: <gasps> Sorry.
1: a little bit yeah like like you just sort of like you've told these stories so many times that you've realized that people want you to be Jack Reacher. So now you're like wearing him, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. but when it started, he wrote someone who was the opposite of him. So it's just like, you know, I think it's, it's, you're right that a lot of people like they either realize the audience wants them to
0: be like their character or they make themselves into their character I did not realize that this new book is going to be about adult women because so often when we hear about final girls, they're often or almost all the time teens. Um, And I'm very excited just because not long ago I finished um, your book, "The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires." I get so scared when I have to say that title, and um, (laughs) I just love how you write like mature women. And I love to read about mature women. They're just, you know, they're my they're my favorite demo out there. So, well,
1: it's funny when I originally was going to write, um, Southern book club's guide to slaying vampires, or I get it wrong all the time. I'm like the Southern vampire's so guide to
0: clubbing. Thanks. <laughs> yeah.
1: <local stakes."> um, <laughs> and I, I was talking to my editor and I was like, yeah, I really want to write this book. And I told him about, it and he's like, yeah, cool. So I started writing, I was about six weeks in and he's like, he gives me a call and he's like, listen, you can keep writing the book, but, um, I was talking to sales and marketing and, and that's sort of a sentence you never want to hear as a writer because okay. nothing that comes after that and is going to be in your favor. And he's like, and they just, you know, a vampires, they just, who wants to read vampire stuff? And B, they just are like, we can't sell a book about middle-aged women. We just don't uh-huh. know how to do that. Okay. And I was like, on the one hand, it really threw me. Cause I'm like, they were like, you know, and I was like, uh, but that's what the whole book's about, how these women get dismissed and and they're not dismissible. Uh-huh. But then I realized, you know, well, yeah, like Quirk, my publisher at the time, like that wasn't their demographic. You know, their readership was very young, young, and it was very, um, you know, and and I got it like publishers are good at selling certain kinds of books. And this wasn't a book they knew how to sell at that point. Now, a couple of years later, I wrote the book, they sold it, and they did a great job with it. But at the time, they had real doubts. And and I get it, you know, and in, I think people really worry about you know well we sell action adventure how do we sell this kind of book we sell to a young readership how do we sell to and Mm -hmm. it is a very weird thing because at the end of the day the audience of readers out there is teeny tiny like it's not a big pool of people Mm -hmm. um but it's very segmented. You know, romance readers don't read Westerns in general, or that's the publishing wisdom. You know, mm-hmm. YA readers don't read adult fiction. No. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's sort of how publishing, the publishing thinking mentality of it. These people
0: read this and not that. It's very odd. Well, with SEO, you'd think they would know by now. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I only read horror. I, I very rarely will will reach out of horror, so maybe I buy it. Really? Um, That's yeah. so weird. Like, yeah. but do you only watch
1: horror movies or do you watch other things as well?
0: <laughs> you know what? I mostly only watch horror movies. Yeah, well, I um, admire your devotion. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. I it's just where I'm at. No, it's nothing to apologize <laughs> for. I'm like cuz when I do a book, I try to do instead of an author event, I try to do like a show like oh. about the book so like when i did um southern book club i had a big thing that wound up not happening because there was a pandemic um about like the history of vampires and where they come from and how they got so sexy and so for this i'm doing a thing about murder books like you know this sort of like genre of fiction and movies that is about people killing people and um so all i'm doing right now is reading slasher books basically because there was a huge glut of them in the 90s and like I'm like can I please just read a comedy can I please read like anything yeah. a romance anything but this a
0: romance but, yeah, yeah. You're, you have enough of the slashers I read a slasher a recent YA slasher book that I didn't hate Clown in a Cornfield does this sound familiar to you oh Adam Caesar's Caesar's, yes. Caesar's, yeah, Caesar's. yeah yeah I read it over Halloween yeah. and it was very fun no, it's super fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He's a really good guy as well, which is always nice.
0: Oh, wow. You all, are you like, um, what's, what's Stephen King's band? Where, the, the Rock Bottom Remainders. Oh, yeah. Are you, are no. you all just like in a band together?
1: No, but I've met, I've had dinner with Adam before. I think he lives in Philly. Um, and I had Cute. dinner down here there with him and some other people. So it's really nice to see
0: like that book doing really well. So Kevin Williamson, I'm a I'm a fan. I don't know what your relationship with him is. Yeah, yeah. do you guys lunch?
1: No, don't don't know him. Um, I once did some work on um, a a possible reboot of the faculty, but it didn't really go very far, and that was cool. No, 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 it was fine. It was really, really fun to work on, but
0: it was like... No, as a fan, that's horrible. I'm a huge faculty head, so that's You bad. know,
1: it's really fun, and like, you know, but the the impression I got, though, and I didn't interact with him at all. I was just dealing with one of his... with his producers, sort of, like, talking for him and taking things back and forth, but is that he's really definite about what he wants, even when he doesn't know what he wants. Do you know what I mean? He's very much like, no, nope, that's not it. That's a, And that's actually a really rare skill i've discovered with filmmaking like everyone wants to say yes because everyone wants a movie greenlit because then that makes people money and a greenlit mm-hmm. movie is better than a not greenlit movie and he seems to be someone who has no fear about being like nope we'll just say no on this and and table it for a few years and maybe come back to it when it's right hey
0: when you're kevin williamson you have the ability to do that yeah so and it's impressive it. though yeah mm-hmm. um do you, what, what's your relationship with the scream series you know
1: so i really love scream one and two and i actually just rewatched scream during 2020 actually and i was blown away by just how good it is it's like so good. it's so good it's like it's like seeing friday 2 and you're like this isn't going to be as good as i remember it and then you're like oh my god this is such a well-done movie yeah. Friday um, two
0: is incredible
1: but yeah yeah it really is um but, but it's also, it's also, I got to say, it's got a low bar to clear because, you know, oh, yeah. Sean Cunningham is not a great director.
0: No, no. So it's He's
1: like. basically a porno director. Yeah. And so it's like, you look at Friday one and two back to back and you're like, oh, this movie has shots. This movie has mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. pace. Um, so anyways, but like, and Scream is just such a well put together movie. I mean, it is like rock solid. Um and okay. then screen 2 I really like. I mean that set piece with the cop car and
0: crawling through the windshield is so a, good. Oh yeah, people don't talk about that enough. That's a great moment.
1: Yeah, it's really great. And like and then 3 I really Uh-oh. feel pretty poorly about. And oh, dear. yeah, I feel like 3 just got so self-aware and so <laughs> kind of campy. I was like cuz the nice thing about 1 is That beginning is so meta. And then when Drew Barrymore gets stabbed, that is freaking brutal. And you're like, oh, this is going to combine this sort of snarkiness with like the actual horribleness of these murders. Mm -hmm. Um, And two does that in in some way, which I really appreciate. So I didn't I I never saw four and I probably should. Oh, I recommend it. Yeah, but I'm definitely do it. Excite to see the next one whenever that comes yeah, out. Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
0: 2025. Who knows? Um, but Kevin Williamson was on the set, so that's cute. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that one, too. I definitely recommend four. Something about two has never really connected with me. And I think it's because hmm. I went to theater school and the whole, uh, like, oh, yeah, theater part of it I just find so embarrassing.
1: Yeah, it really is. But it's, like, it's funny, though. Whenever movies show theater or video games, or publishing, <laughs> they just get it so embarrassingly
0: wrong. It's yeah, ridiculous. Like, this is what you people do. Um. Yeah. Alright, so moving on, I just want to like touch base again on some of these other cancelled Halloween sequels, because I'm obsessed with them. We talked a little bit about Halloween 3000, so I'm going to skip it. Uh, there was a Michael Myers.com concept at one point, which like, how could they have not made that? That sounds so good. I know. Um, Turned out to be Halloween Resurrection, um. Also, a good title, but not as good. There was a movie going to be called Halloween Six Six Six: The Origin of Michael Myers, which I think is the best title they could have ever come up with. Um, but I also, rumor, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was well, going to say I also don't know why yeah. the sixth installment out of every franchise isn't Six Six Six. I know that it's wasted opportunity every time. Um, but you know, maybe maybe conjuring Six 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 because that would work because religious horror.
1: Well, is it, is it Children of the Corn oh, yes. 3 or 4 that's original title was going to be Field of Screams, which is like the wow. best title. And then they they were like worried about getting sued. So they changed it to something like, you know, Field of Terror. Uh, yes, Field of Screams. Field of
0: Screams is hilarious. First of all, that's just a good title in general. Yeah. Um. There is no more boring film of all time than Field of Dreams. So, so rip it. Um, um And I, it's funny you bring that franchise up because I'm almost positive that is the franchise that did commit to calling the sixth movie 666.
1: Yeah, you're right. It is.
0: Um. So good for that movie. There was going to be an original seventh uh Halloween movie called Halloween 7, Two Faces of Evil. This was going to be like the first direct-to-video sequel in the franchise, kind of like Hellraiser Inferno. Um, And it was going to take place at a prep school. And there's going to be sort of like a Silence of the Lambs copycat killer element um, in it. But when Jamie Lee Curtis got involved, of course, it went big budget. And uh, that script was scrapped. Maybe for the best. (laughs) Maybe for the best. I love a direct-to-video crappy (laughs) sequel. Like when it really just commits to being its worst quality self. And what it's like year? not pretending. Yeah. what year was that going to be roughly? Do you know? Same, 1997, 1998.
1: 97? Yeah, that late nineties direct-to-video kind of serial mm. killer thriller genre. So like,
0: good. It is. It is a sweet spot. Oh, I love it. Um, I am not precious with Hellraiser, which is, I think, why I can get so into those crappy sequels. But they made one called Hell World. I think it's number eight and it's like internet themed with like ravers doing like an internet rave i i really recommend it also henry cavill is in it for some reason oh nice um they were going to make a halloween h2k evil never dies <laughs> which i'm so sad they didn't do obviously direct sequel to halloween h2o um mm-hmm. on all that matters is that it was going to be y2k taking place Oh, that'd be I, beautiful. H two K. First of all, better title than H two O, which I can will never. I will never get over it being the worst title of all time. It really is. It's 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 poor. I think oh, in, in being generous. It, I I think about it all the time about like how did that happen? What marketing person made that happen? And they succeeded because well, it I'm was sure. a big hit but well i'm
1: sure their comp was like people are like i don't know and they're like listen guys the most popular
0: drink on the planet oh,
1: everyone's yeah like, oh yeah it's, it's a good in point.
0: everybody's house <laughs> You're like 80% everyone. of their
1: body is made up of yeah, it we
0: relate to it you know it's in our dna
1: exactly
0: uh, and blood is thicker than water so that also doesn't make any sense um and it's just so sad cuz halloween the revenge of Laurie Stroh truly the best title of all time So it's like, you could have had the best title and you're going with the worst. I'm very sad.
1: Although, you know, the funny thing with that title, Revenge of Laurie Strode, like to me, great title. In a marketing meeting, I'm like, you're going to be like, who the hell knows who Laurie Strode is? (laughs) That's
0: true. A handful of very passionate fans. That's (laughs) it. Yeah, Halloween H20. And well, I don't know how to get into this, but clearly this movie was made because of Scream. Like everything about this movie is, is extremely post scream from oh, yeah. the writer uh, to the music, to the tone. And you just know that the people behind like Jimmy and Curtis and friends, you know, they saw this excessive scream and they're like, well, like, let's get back at it. Um, and they weren't wrong. I mean, no. you know, we're betting on talent. They were like, we bet Kevin
1: Williamson can do this again. Yeah, I need definitely. It's also could. there's also something with movies from this era, especially horror movies, where everything tries to look like nine hundred two one zero. Like, you know, mm-hmm. everything looks like a CW or a Fox show from the casting to the yes. clothes to that ridiculous um, when they have the romantic dinner and like it is a 90210 <laughs> level amount of candles in that it room. Is. It's like <gasps> yes. if they started lighting those candles at noon, they
0: still would, would be doing yes. it at noon the next I like, day. What teenager did this? No those before... teenagers did this.
1: No, exactly. And that was before they had those electric flicker candle bulbs that look good. So, some poor art. Do they look know... good though? Oh, you mean on film? Yes. Oh, on gotcha. film. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, So, like, so, like, some poor art department person had to sit there and light all those freaking candles yes. and keep them lit
0: and make sure they were burning at the same rate. Ugh. Yeah. Poor PAs. <laughs> Every time I see like, like you know, there's like a storm on TV and branches are hitting the window, I'm like, that poor PA. <laughs> <laughs> also, have I have to a, say, uh, 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 oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was wondering if you've ever been a PA yourself.
1: I have. Uh, Me too. Several times, and and I was an extra a
0: lot too. Oh I'm no, actually, we don't. Yeah. they don't treat those well.
1: It's funny. I'm actually an extra in Scream 2. and up. yeah, yeah, in the us. opening theater scene. Are you staring, um, Michelle I'm, Keller? I'm wearing one of the the masks. Um, and my oh. wife was doing extra work at the time. We were living in L. A. And she's the woman who turns around and shushes Jada Pinkett Smith. And I'm like, oh, "Oh." my wife captured on film forever. A white woman silencing a black woman. Oh,
0: no. Really problematic. And like truly silenced her. Yeah. Like she's dead good opening scene actually oh yeah it's fun and it's also one of
1: those things it's like it's something that screen does really well that opening scene starts out as fun and meta and quote Lucas Tori Spelling playing Drew Barrymore and it gets pretty brutal by the time Jada Pinkett's getting like
0: gutted yeah it's sad and then that yeah.
1: score comes in and you're like yeah.
0: somebody help her they can't it's too late um
1: oh. and if I remember correctly I don't think we were all in the scene of her up on stage. I think they filmed that without all of us in there.
0: Mm, that's too bad, you know. Because I don't remember seeing that, that performance. Yeah, that would have been cool. Um, wow, that's really iconic. Way to bury the lead on being in Scream 2 While we were Sorry. talking about I'm, Scream two, I'm Jesus. also in
1: Dennis the Menace two.
0: Yeah, s- still Dennis the Menace two. Okay, why not? You yeah. um, have. So finally, we're like getting to Halloween H2O Halloween The Revenge of Laurie Strode. I appreciate your patience. Um yeah, first first experience with Halloween H2O. What was what was that for you?
1: First experience was watching it like 3 weeks ago cuz we were going to do this podcast and like I knew what? the movie. Yeah, I know. I knew the movie and I even think I might have gone to see it when it came out and wound up okay. seeing something else and I saw it and I kind of love it, like, but I also hate it in equal measure. Oh
0: no! Yeah, so, I get that. I do. Yeah, I, yeah. I swear to God, I do get that. It's 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 a lot of it's a lot of like things happening at once, but it there's something about it that's so satisfying, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think well, it's just Jamie Lee Curtis.
1: It's Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, it's also like it's such a tight movie. Like once it gets rolling, like I was looking at the running time, and I'm like. It ends at like 85 minutes.
0: Yep. I was like, oh, it's over.
1: Yeah. Good. It, Thank it, you. I appreciate it. It's that. fast and to the point. It knows what you're there for. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I thought was really, really, I mean, we can go on and on about Jamie Lee Curtis and we should. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that really irritated me about this movie besides Josh Hartnett yeah. is um, there is a, a bad jump scare like every four minutes on the dot just about. Also, you know, one thing that has aged weirdly, poorly, um, <laughs> is the white guidance counselor accidentally shooting LL Cool J. And you're <laughs> like, you're like, and, and it's a great moment in the I movie. Didn't think about this, that. You're just like, oh, you dumbass. And then you're like, oh, you super dumbass. And the thing yeah. that saves that moment is Jamie Lee Curtis's acting because she's genuinely
0: acting sad that this has happened. Yeah. You know, it's. Because she Trust likes him. him. And also yeah. something that saves the moment is that he dies right after. He yeah, exactly. Immediately after. And gross. Like, and well, then right the survives. I know, which was like, how many times were you shot? Yeah, and also I love that he's got a bandage around his head, which is literally not a <laughs> yeah. place
1: that's been injured at any point in the movie.
0: I was watching him act, and I was like, he's good at acting. He's got, like, really good impulses. What? And then it turns out I was unaware that he had been on a show before like he's yeah. been on like five seasons of a TV show before that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, and also just to talk about Jamie Lee Curtis for a minute. Please. Low point in this movie or Jamie Lee Curtis is the drinking problem. That is the the worst, so hokiest, corniest drinking problem I've and you know, it's one of those things that's like I I I just think it's it's just like, oh, yeah. And when, when the guidance counselor comes over and he's like, I think I need that drink. And she just pulls a bottle of vodka out and they drink from the bottle like that's normal. She's <laughs> um, supposed to be a guidance counselor. I know. Um, she's so good in this movie. And every time her drinking problem comes up, I just, I rolled my eyes so hard. I'm surprised they're still in my skull.
0: Okay, I love that you brought that up because in the original script, The Revenge of Lori Strode, they deal with the drinking disorder way better and way more nuanced. And um, she has, like, a really good monologue about how, like, she knows that she's suffering, but when, as similar to your upcoming novel, like, when you've experienced the trauma she's gone through, like, you're just trying to make it until tomorrow. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's hokey as pokey in the film, but yeah. in the original script, or the original treatment, they really dealt with it well. It was... they. It's like, yeah, it's it's like how she self soothes post extreme trauma. But yeah, well, they really let it drop in H And you know,
1: and I'm gonna I'm gonna lay that one at um, two sources, which I think like listen, if someone in Hollywood knows about addiction, it's Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, she's very publicly wrestled with a, a painkiller addiction and, and talked about it at great length. But Steve Minor is not. most sensitive of directors of actors, I would suggest. And I also, Kevin Williamson, weirdly enough, has always had a weird relationship with drugs and alcohol in movies, he mm. always sort of glosses it over or treats it like a joke. Um, and, and, and I get it. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a fun shorthand way to indicate character. It's, you can play it for laughs. And I think his movies often move really fast and play stuff for laughs, but like, look at the addiction stuff or the drug stuff in um uh uh, uh the faculty, you know, it's, I don't remember.
0: Can you, can you help me? Well,
1: So Josh Hartnett, again, is makes like basically what's what seems to be some kind of like speed for the other kids at school. Mm -hmm. And um, the drug is what turns out to be the one thing that can kill the aliens. So the kids have to do the drug to prove they're not an alien. It is really fun. It is a device I really wish I had thought of first. Mm -hmm. But it's not a particularly insightful look at drugs. (laughs) No, no, it's, it's, it's peer pressure
0: almost. It's yeah. Like, what's what's the metaphor?
1: Yeah. And so I feel like sitting with addiction might've been something Kevin Williamson just wasn't that interested in, you know, for this movie. So it's interesting yeah.
0: you say the original script really goes deep oh, on oh, it. Way better. I, but also like reading the original treatment, Ke- Kevin Williamson is not the most sensitive of writers. Like he, he, the way he describes women is like almost like a straight man. Like I oh, read- really? Yeah, like very, like like very appearance based. Not yeah, it's it was not always the most sensitive of guys when it comes to writing. Yeah, no, I was gonna say another thing in this. Well, no, let's let's go on because I
1: could talk about Jamie Lee Curtis all day, and we'll probably. I wish that we would. I know,
0: Um, and I can always edit.
1: So um, okay, I do want to say there is a moment in this movie that to me symbolizes the best and the worst of Halloween H two O. And that is that amazing moment because it comes way earlier than you think it's going to come when Jamie Lee Curtis is walking to her car and Michael Myers just starts walking up to her. And (laughs) Uh we've had so many fake-out jump scares of her thinking she sees Michael that we know it's Michael, but she immediately does, I'm going to close my eyes and he'll be gone. And it is some of the best acting she's done in her career. It is a Uh great, great, great moment that is completely undermined because you're like, oh my God, he's right there. And it's completely undermined because it cuts to a bad jump scare where the guidance counselor walks up. Hey, what's going on? What you thinking about <laughs> right
0: there? The highs of this movie and the lows side by side. Hmm. AKA Jamie Lee and that random guy. Best part, worst part. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I hear you on that one. And I, and it happens again and it is real. I don't remember. So in the original, uh, the trip to Yosemite. They say Yosemite so many times in this film. It, oh my god, <laughs> it, it's really funny. And um, there's a new Lana Del Rey song called Yosemite, so it's like been on my brain. I recommend it. It's very good. Uh, so
1: yes. why are they so excited? What are they gonna do? Yeah, Yosemite why are
0: they? Like, They're going to bang. They're going to bang a, 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 the Yos. In
1: that's one what. of our great national parks? That's disgusting.
0: I know. a Shame. a Shame. But yeah, in the original treatment, it was going to be a Halloween dance. They were not going to Yosemite. And all the kids were still at the school. So Michael kind of like breaks in and locks them all in. Like he messes up the the gate. And like, I guess he's like going to kill everyone. I don't know. Um, it doesn't really make as much sense. I was thinking that maybe a better or scarier premise would be if the kids went to Yosemite and and Michael followed. Cause it would be like, you know, a little more like woodsy creepy environment. And then yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis could show up with an axe and save the day. But exactly.
1: Or, I mean, there is a version of this where those kids go off to Yosemite where Jason just decapitates them one by one while yes. they're fighting Michael Myers back oh at the school. Oh
0: God, it's Michael versus Jason, finally. Um, my best friend Jules cannot figure out which one's which. And it, as a horror fan, it's like a very contentious. <laughs> like she really tries. And every time it's like the same person to her. And you know what? If you think about it really hard, they are the same. They're like really they similar. The same. They both wear masks. They both they wear white, jumpsuits. White masks. Um, The contouring on Michael in this movie, I forgot about. He, yeah. This is not the best he's ever looked. He kind of has the RuPaul contour.
1: Yeah. And I got to say, like, it's also... He looks a little weaselly and undernourished in this movie.
0: Mm, he's hungry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And in some of those shots of his mask, because I know they switch masks during production... But, like, the eyes go down on the outside to give them kind of puppy dog eyes. It's just, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's it's, weird. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think fans are not, they're not into how Michael looks in this movie. And it's truly not his best look. Halloween 6, he looks pretty scary. He looks (laughs) great in 6. He looks big and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I think they managed to get the mold for the first mask in 6. I could just be making this up. But four and five are, are hilarious. Like, yeah. truly bad. They just like I can't remember. Did not even try. If it's four or five,
1: where his hair literally just looks like they put glue on the top of a mask and rolled it around a barber shop. Floor, yeah, it's I just clumps.
0: Five. Yeah. And I think at one point in five, he had blonde hair for a shot. And yes, they didn't absolutely. It movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is very funny. I love. Why
1: not? And speaking of hair, by the way, I just want to say <laughs> that you can totally tell that Josh Hartnett and Jamie Lee Curtis are mother and son in this because they have the exact same, same haircut.
0: haircut. It is. Yes. Great. Yeah. Also, in, in the original Revenge of Laurie Strode, he ends up getting de- decapitated with the blade of a helicopter, which is crazy. Hmm. There's a lot of action and explosions. At one point, he is riding on top of a moving school bus. Well, you know, it's funny, at the end of this,
1: when she's doing, like, she's carring up on him, um, Mm -hmm. I was like, well, this is just the end of Halloween for you. Like, Michael should be used to clinging to a moving vehicle by now. Like, he's getting good at this.
0: Yeah, totally. He
1: does it when he escapes from the asylum in one. Like, clinging to a moving vehicle is his thing, and he always flops at it. Yeah, so
0: when it comes to the differences between the two, I think we have it basically covered, which leads me... To our very special segment where I have recorded some some radio theater for you. And I was wondering if you would if you would wanna listen to it with me and then we could talk about it afterwards. How I...
1: can I say no? Oh actually, can we <laughs> jump back to something really yeah, cool? please God yes?
0: Okay. okay, I was
1: just gonna say, so talking about headcanon stuff, like the kids going to Yosemite and getting killed, yeah, I really, really and there is no way to avoid this once you think it. I really imagine and I think it's true in my head. It's true that Janet Lee is playing Lila Crane, the, the basically her sister in psycho um, who was played by Vera miles, because Mm -hmm. she says to Jamie Lee Curtis at one point, she's like, bad things happen to people. You know, bad things, we've all had bad things happen to us before. And I'm like, oh my God, that's Marion Crane's sister who survived Norman Bates and it's 40 years later or whatever and she works at this school
0: now. Can you imagine if they put that much thought into this? (laughs) You never, you never know. Yeah, I'm always so excited for that cameo. Whenever that's happened, I'm just like, that's so brilliant. Just because like these are, just so many layers at hand here. The two original final girls sort of interacting and their mom and daughter in real life. It blows my mind. I know. It's so weird. Okay. So no, I am into this radio theater thing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Bring yes. It yes, on. yes. 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 So I have to give you a little bit of like um, a preface to it, which is, so this is the scene in Halloween, the revenge of Laurie Strode that connects all of the prior movies together including the Jamie stuff, the little sister stuff. And so it does. So, By having, um, her name's Carrie, but Laurie Strode is teaching a class. And a a young girl does a book report on Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. And so that is the setup for the scene. So what we're going to do is whenever you're ready, um, we're going to have a countdown and we're going to listen to it at the same time. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play it over the recording for the audience in real life. But um, you and I are going to sort of just listen to it on our own right now. Does that make sense? Okay. Yep. So I'm going to count us down whenever you're ready so we can like have it all lined up. I'm, I'm really like, I'm ready. Like oh, I don't know which oh, more ready I, I can be. Um, I also, I play Jamie Lee Curtis. So be very excited. But I did get casting for someone else because we can't do everything. Okay. So when you're ready, I'm going to count us down. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Interior, classroom, later that day. Students file into the class, sit in their assigned seats. Carrie stands behind a desk at the head of the class. The bell rings.
2: Good morning, class. Mr. Elliott's out sick this week. Turns out it was his appendix.
0: The students ablip. Cool, all right, yeah.
2: Your compassion is overwhelming, but I'm sure you'll be happy to hear that he gave me a list of students who will be giving their oral reports today.
0: The students groan.
2: I thought so. First up is Sarah Locke.
0: Sarah crosses to the podium at the head of the class, stands behind it. She reads off of a stack of index cards in front of her.
2: The Haddonfield Murders by Pamela Whittington. A totally gruesome depiction of serial killer Michael Myers' path of destruction in a small Illinois town.
0: Carrie sits up in her chair, uneasy, of all the books. During the following, we intercut between the described flashbacks and Carrie as she struggles to maintain her composure as the memories come flooding back.
2: The riveting tale begins with young Myers repeatedly stabbing his older sister to death on Halloween night in 1963.
0: Begin flashback. During the previous dialogue, we see the correlating scene from Halloween where Michael Myers in his clown attire, murders his sister.
2: Years later, Myers escaped from Dr. Loomis's care at Smith's Grove Institution and returned home to Haddonfield.
0: During the previous dialogue, we once again see the correlating scene from Halloween where Michael escapes from the outside the gates of Smith's Grove in Dr. Loomis's station wagon.
2: It was there that he stalked Laurie Strode, Myers' younger sister.
0: We see the correlating scene from Halloween, where the shape watches Laurie strode through the screen door as she approaches the old Myers' house.
2: What followed was a night of terror as Michael Myers slaughtered one innocent victim after another, strangled some, stabbed others. In the end, it was a Halloween of unprecedented carnage.
0: We see a montage of murders from Halloween And Halloween 2. And a flashback. Carrie, her eyes swelling, struggling to keep the lid on her emotions.
2: Ironically, Lori survived that night, but was said to have died in a car accident years later, leaving behind her only daughter, Jamie.
0: Begin flashback. During the previous dialogue, we see footage of young Jamie from Halloween 4.
2: The book maintains that there's truth to the rumor that Laurie Strode is actually alive and well and living under a new identity, claiming that she gave up her daughter for adoption to protect the eight-year-old from her psychotic uncle. Bad idea. Last Halloween, Jamie's mutilated body was found in a barn just outside of Haddonfield.
0: We see Jamie's demise as end flashback. Focus on Carrie, unable to stand it any longer. She grabs her bag, heads to the door. Excuse me. Carrie darts out of the classroom. The students sit in stunned silence, baffled. Sarah collects her cards and heads back to her seat.
2: That was like so rude.
0: Interior, girls' restroom, minutes later. Carrie bursts through the bathroom door, locks herself inside of the empty stall, drops to her knees, barely making it over the toilet before tossing up her breakfast. Tada. I just want to say if you need anyone to do your audiobooks, I am available.
1: That was beautifully <laughs> and compassionately executed.
0: Oh, how nice of you. <laughs> and um, I also I also
1: have to say you you handled the repeated use of correlating scene with a lot of panache.
0: Thank you. Shout out to my friend Samantha White for playing what was her name? Some the girl, yeah. the girl in the class. That's a scene that like was going to connect this seventh sequel to everything else just like bing bang boom
1: except uh, six
0: they left out six they didn't leave out six they t- i accidentally <laughs> left out six but um the part where they kill jamie isn't that in Oh, oh you're right you're right you're right you're right
1: now i have a question and a comment okay please the question is um in the script is this the first time that jamie lee curtis hears that danielle harris her daughter has been murdered i think so Wow. Okay, so here's yeah. my question: Like, th- how did she get this assumed identity and name? Like, is this a yeah. federal witness protection thing, I or think is so. this like a DIY? I, th- I, th- I th-
0: the impression I got from the treatment
1: is that it's witness protection,
0: and no it has to thought, be
1: right. Well, and no one thought to tell her that her like daughter in her former life has been murdered um, until it's how- in a
0: book. Maybe you know the the maybe they just weren't organized. Who knows? Also, maybe she did know the daughter's dead. I don't have Mm, all of the answers for you. I just have the tone of someone that does. I demand answers, real answers, based on real facts.
1: Um, (laughs) You know that's interesting. I I appreciate that to this day. Two things in movies that I wish could be outlawed is one is showing internal emotional states by having a character vomit. Um, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's cheating. It, it is a little bit like, like, can't you do something else? The other is, can we please, if Joe Biden gets this done, I will consider his administration totally successful. If he bans from all horror movies, scenes of classroom lectures or oral reports <gasps> no. that happen to tie into the theme of
0: the movie. How dare you? Just because we've seen it in every movie. Doesn't discredit it from being awesome. Oh my God. I love in is it
1: Halloween um five at it, it Haddonfield University? Where it's like, what? and what is the dark part inside of us? Or no, is it Halloween resurrection? It's gotta uh, be resurrection. Oh yeah, it is, it's, resurrection. It's yes, resurrection, it is resurrection. It's resurrection, yeah. Where you oh, like yeah. the dark part inside of us, maybe the boogeyman? It's like oh. it's
0: so embarrassing. Yeah. I, I don't care. I I love a heavy-handed lecture scene, and I am referring to Lin Shea's moment in *A Nightmare Elm Street*. One, just so good. Oh yeah, am I correct? And obviously, also *Halloween*. Yeah, they do it in every movie, and I love it. I just I, rewatched *Candyman* for this podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. And they do it real good there too.
1: Well, also, what kind of like busted school is this where you can just read a cr- crappy true crime I, book for your like history report? And this is like
0: a. I'm assuming a fairly prestigious private school. Yeah. this That's how they portrayed it in the movie. Gosh. And yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, it's just a, it's like a very fifth grade book report.
1: Yeah, that's trash. Get that trash out of here.
0: Listen, the American school system needs work. It needs overhaul. We do struggle. hmm I'm sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was my very brilliant radio theater production of halloween the revenge of laurie strode
1: i I probably you know one thing we haven't spent enough time on and i just like to spend a moment on it i love it it's not just yosemite that gets repeated (laughs) a lot in this movie Uh it's also and this is something that takes us back to um halloween four how many times in this movie do they say it's 20 years later Listen, it's in the title. It's, that gives them I, carte blanche. It's it's the same in Halloween Four. They keep saying those those murders that happened ten years ago. Well, it was ten years ago. That hasn't <laughs> he hasn't been around here for ten years. It's really I I love that they're like someone <laughs> one person in the audience might have been in the bathroom five minutes ago when we said this was twenty years ago. Let's say it again. You have
0: to say it over and over. It's Halloween H two O. I get it.
1: And and I just want to give another shout out to two great Jamie Lee Curtis moments um, when her <laughs> stupid guidance counselor is having a panic attack. And he's like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do?
0: She's like, try to live. That's so good. That should, have been the, that should have been the tagline.
1: Yeah. And I can't approve of that one-handed axe carry, but I really approve of her sending Josh Hartnett and Michelle Williams. Just like, you kids are useless. Get the hell
0: out of the movie. Go, give people go, go. what they came for. Me yeah. and Michael Myers. I'm always surprised that they get away at that point. I'm always like, no, it's going to be locked. No, yeah. they just they just go. I love that. I love well, it. Also, that truck's no longer fix- blocking it, is it? No. Michael's
1: truck? It's gone, I think. By no, now.
0: no. But in the OG script, that was like a big part, that he had blocked an entire tunnel so that he could go and kill presumably everyone at the school. It's a big undertaking. But he's had six movies, seven movies to figure it out. Well, I like
1: to think when this movie ends, I watched the end credits just in case, but I really wanted them to cut back to that mother and daughter stranded in the most remote rest stop ever (laughs) built. What do you mean stranded? They
0: had a really cool muscle car left for them. With
1: shredded tires. Oh. I just, I mean, that was like, that was like in Yellowknife or something. That was like- (laughs) Yeah, it was in Yosemite.
0: (laughs) I love that scene. I'm assuming, I don't know why I'm assuming this, that you haven't seen the most recent Halloween movie, 2018. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which
1: I feel like really like
0: plays a riff on that scene. Yeah, it, it absolutely just steals it. Yeah, and, and makes it worse. What did you think of Halloween 2018? Oh, I really liked it. Oh um, wow, there were parts of it I didn't like, but overall I
1: liked it. And the reason I liked it is there were these great for me. There were these great moments in it, like the cops arguing over their bond me, or yeah. like the the kid coming back from his dance lesson with his know. dad in the
0: car. That was nice.
1: I know. And I was like, I love the fact that like (sighs) these people are getting first and last names and they're not just victims and we're spending a little time with them. I was like, it felt very kind to me. One of the things I have to say is that I think that one of horror the horror genre's great contributions to the world is a host of absolutely awful therapists. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: horror movies have told me anything. It's like my wife and I will go to a marriage counselor who will seduce me and murder her, you know, or, you know, I will go to a trauma therapist who turns out to have killed my entire family. Like yes. therapists just suck.
0: And if yes, someone is interested
1: in yes. psychiatry as a career in a horror movie, write them off. They're, they're trash.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not pro-therapy in a way that these movies should be. And I guess you've probably been thinking a lot about that lately with your new book. I have been. And I also feel that every
1: Halloween movie since six has been less for missing Dr. Loomis. Um, there is a there is a nonstop gif in my head of Donald Pleasence bustling up to someone screaming, No, no, and stopping them from whatever they're doing because <laughs> they're I, doing I it, it wrong.
0: He's insane. There's a part in the f- number five where he's like attacking the little girl in broad yes. daylight yes tell me what you can see oh, but he, uh, he's, he's, he's like clay all over his face he's so terrifying yeah he's the scariest part of that movie
1: earlier when she has like the seizure and they're gonna give her a stoma in her throat he's like no no <laughs> you're doing it wrong i love him he's crazy and R. he's R. played by spongebob squarepants in halloween h20 no. Yeah, the voiceover, because they didn't have, they wanted to use a clip of him with over the credits, you know, with that like, there's evil behind those mm-hmm. eyes. I noticed but it they, wasn't the same voice. Well, they yeah, but they couldn't find a clip, apparently, that didn't have score under it. So they re-recorded Ooh. it with the dude who does SpongeBob SquarePants because he's a very gifted voiceover
0: artist. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's some trivia that I don't hate. SpongeBob in the Halloween canon. Oh, yeah, something we didn't talk about. Mm. Is that that opening sequence where Marian Chambers dies? Yeah, um, was supposed to be Loomis's daughter uh, originally. That he had traveled to Loomis's daughter's house, which makes sense because it was Loomis's house in this one. What was her name? I had it here. Hold I did. Uh... Uh, 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 Rachel Loomis. Oh. And apparently she was going to be slaughtered while Seinfeld was just playing in the background casually, which I think could have really been a mood. Weird detail. Weird detail of the script. I know. I know. Although something about it does feel very Kevin Williamson to me. Yeah.
1: Let me ask a question, though, because I assume the nurse at the beginning of this movie was the nurse who's in the car with Donald Pleasence in Halloween 1. Yeah? Yes. yes, Okay. That's that's her.
0: Yeah. And she's playing the same role yeah and she looks great still she looks really smoking good that's
1: hot. why I was in my head I was like maybe it's not her because she she doesn't look old enough
0: I know but let's remember 1998 is a long time ago that's like, true
1: and, and it is 20 years after that yeah so it's
0: been, like, that's the halfway point to now differences between the two that I've missed and I don't think so like I really think we've covered it all is there any other thoughts lingering thoughts that you have on Halloween joy that we need to get out
1: no, I'm just, you know, I, w- I will say that I found this a really satisfying capper to Halloween, mm-hmm. like the Halloween franchise. And I really appreciate Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, she was really insistent that this be there be no sequel and all this. And she committed and everything. And 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 the end of this movie with her and Michael is really phenomenal. And, you know, Total. you can't stop capitalism. And they literally... Mm-hmm retconned with the paramedic the day like a day after the shoot wrapped and the retcon to make that guy she kills at the end thinking it's Michael some gormless mustachioed paramedic who looks like he's in a barbershop quartet and is a really (laughs) sweet dad like is so cruel it is such a
0: cruel thing to do it's very Alice from Friday too
1: yeah exactly and it's just it's just lousy
0: yeah it's not it's disrespectful they did how, Dirty how by how Jamie Lee Curtis. They truly did. Although, best scene in Resurrection. Like, not a bad not yeah. bad segment, if I recall correctly. And And
1: also, though, honestly, as far as I'm concerned, no offense to Rod Zombie, who by all accounts is a lovely human being, they could have <laughs> stopped at six and just rebooted it in 2018, and we really wouldn't have missed a whole lot. Like, I don't think yeah. the next Halloween movie offers the world a whole lot. Oh, the zombie movies? movies. (laughs) No.
0: No. No. Those are unkind, unpleasant movies. Listen, they have their fans, and I I don't think that's us.
1: No. I don't like nasty. I don't like dirty things.
0: No, me neither. And that's just not, like, I get making a franchise your own. I get, like, you know, you're not making the first movie. You're doing your own thing. But when you're discarding the tone of what makes the original great, so blatantly, then, like, why? Just make your, just make a sequel to to House of a Thousand Corpses. I'd watch yeah. that. Yeah. Which actually he did recently, and it wasn't good. <laughs> Three from Hell.
1: And you know, listen, like you said, make the franchise your own, etc. But like, eh, I'm.
0: Yeah, th- respect they just don't do it. Do much for me. Um. Okay. So for the future of Halloween, we have Halloween Kills, Halloween Ends. Are you excited? Are you going to be seeing? You
1: these? know, I am. Like, I mean, I, I'll probably, you know. I'll see them. I don't know if I'll rush out on opening day, but I'm excited. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like the dude's doing it now. Like, I I mean, it it sounds like you're not a fan of the 2018. I'm not personally. I'm not, I'm not
0: like, what um, what bugs you about it? I'm really curious. It just feels like, uh, kind of like everything that Halloween H2O did, but like not quite as well. Like they're, they're pretending to be dealing with trauma But they're not doing it in a way that I find interesting or realistic. The therapist being evil didn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. Why are there podcasters in it? Why are there five plots in this movie? Um, It just didn't work for me. And it wasn't fun in a way that I was hoping it would be. I would watch Halloween Resurrection over that one, probably. (laughs) I would. I would. Uh, But I I will see the next one. Yeah, I'll see the
1: next two, sure. And... You know, it's it's also speaking of Halloween Resurrection, one of the best moments in that it's not Busta Rhymes kicking Michael Myers out of an attic window. It's Busta Rhymes speech about capitalism and how he's got to get his shit. I'm like, I want to perf- I want to be 18 so I can perform that as my audition monologue for like for Juilliard.
0: I, I, no, I, but yeah, I, I'll I, see
1: the next two. No problem. I'm I'm interested in what they're going to do with it.
0: Me too. And also maybe if, because I'm assuming they have to make them faster than the first one. If they're less, maybe if they think about it a little less hard and they sort of just go with the flow, maybe it'll be a little bit more fun. Yeah. So I'm into it. Listen, anytime that we get one of the legacy franchises, we get a new sequel, I'm here for it. Where is Nightmare?
1: I know. And I definitely have to say one of the things I appreciate about the Halloween remake um, is that the people doing it care about the franchise in a way i would perhaps say the people who did the friday remake and the nightmare remake maybe didn't care quite as much about
0: oh no no definitely not although i do like the friday the 13th remake i find
1: it i'm fine with it i have no problem with it but it's also very it's a very disposable
0: friday movie but that's what i personally that's why i'm going to a friday movie but i hear you i, I see you i respect you um more I so seen. Good. The Friday, re- the, the nightmare remake though, it's a little harder to, yeah. it's a little harder to apologize for. Yeah. Thank you. Um. All right. So wrapping up, what is next for you? I think we know, but why don't you put yeah, it in your own well, words? I'm doing, uh, you know,
1: Final Girl Support Group is out on July 13th. Uh, I'm doing a ton of events for it where I will be talking about murder books and movies. Um, And if you go to GradyHendrix.com, there's an event page, which I've named events. And as soon as I have them lined up in the next month or so, I'll be listing them there. Um, I'm working right now on the screenplay for Horror Store as a feature film, which is being produced by the folks who did black swan and 1917 which i'm super psyched about and there is nothing like writing a screenplay about one of your own books where you're like this author is an idiot who knows nothing about writing <laughs> um That's... and then the other thing is i'm writing my book for next year right now um oh. which i can't say a whole lot oh, about it damn. but puppets
0: puppets oh, puppets, my god, puppets, of puppets you. are disgusting we I, I but also like i want more puppet horror so thank god
1: yeah, and I'll say the Puppet Master movie series is not my jam. Not my jam. So
0: many Nazis, too many Nazis. I mean, why are I there think... so many Nazis in those movies? As a yeah. Jew, I like it makes me nervous. Yeah, did you see the most recent one? I didn't because it seemed extra Nazi heavy.
1: Yeah, it it wanted to do a sort of Inglorious Bastards, pu- Inglorious Puppet Masters, Puppet Master Bastards. I'm into that. I didn't quite pull it off. Didn't quite pull it off. Well, like it's I, like I if you can imagine. If you're leaping the chasm of bad taste, you've got to make it to the other side. <laughs> wow. Is that the first time you've ever said that? It is. Wow. Uh, I thought it came off well, like I've been practicing.
0: I, it was good. It was good. It wasn't as good as my radio play, though. But It was no, very no, 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 good. not you, The radio play had <laughs> voice-altering technology and a <laughs> it score.
1: Did,
0: it did have a score. It did have a score, and it was uh,
1: royalty-free. Royalty-free. You got I was hoping you'd say you composed it yourself.
0: I, can you imagine? Of course you could, because it does have that, it did have that auteur kind of vibe. I felt like
1: that radio play, <laughs> it was a singular vision brought to completion.
0: Grady, this was amazing. I, I don't want to take you too much time of yours, because it's been fucking an hour and 40 minutes already. Which Ouch, your poor I listeners. I know. Oh, no, it's not going to be that long.
1: <laughs> it's going to be day. eight minutes long. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I'm only going to keep the good stuff. So like
1: 15 I hope you minutes. only keep us saying Yosemite and 20 years later and correlated scene. That's
0: it. And everyone will know what we're talking about.
1: Exactly. I just made it. Um,
0: <laughs> amazing. Okay, thank you for coming on my little podcast. It was so nice of you. No,
1: thanks for having me. And when it posts and uh, stuff, course. let me know, and I'll will well, I'll I'll do the thing we all do to amplify each other's stuff.
0: I love it. Big fish, little fish syndrome. <laughs> an <laughs> eternal,
1: an eternal, an eternal orobos <laughs> yeah. of of mutual self promotion. Yeah, it's spinning it, it, into infinity.
0: Exactly, because we don't know what's out there. Wow, we're getting cosmic. Only horror darkness. Now. Only, oh my only God, one. HP Lovecraft, you're so racist! Like um, the darkness behind Michael Myers' eyes, <laughs> the darkest eyes, the the, the yeah. devil's eyes. Uh, thank yeah, you for thank doing you. this. This was fun. This was very fun. Um, I will definitely send you all those links and okay. hold you to it. All, all right. right, we'll have a great Thanks, evening. Okay. Bye for now. You can also follow us online on basically any social media platform at Devil Hell Pod. That's D E V E L Hell Pod. And you should like and comment and just engage with us because we are bored. Uh, so that's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and write a review because it really helps us get seen in this vast, endless hell of horror movie podcasts.